Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The only thing I thought maybe would have improved it, maybe just lift it with a bit of miso. Um... <laughs> Welcome back to the Bake Down podcast with me, Josh Landy, founder of Bake with a Legend, the company that gives you the chance to bake alongside former contestants from the Great British Bake Off. So four has become three, and it was perhaps the major shock of the series so far, as one of the favourite bakers since the very start surprisingly did not make their way through to the final. Now, as ever, I had Dan, Jane and Howard to talk through all the key moments and there were some great emails from you as well. Do keep them coming. We will continue to get through as many as we can when we review the final episode next week. We, of course, are so sad that Bake Off is slowly coming to an end for another year. But to celebrate, we're going to go out in style. We are holding a free webinar online class with the brilliant Howard Middleton on Sunday the 28th of November at 3.30pm UK, where Howard is going to teach you how to make his delicious Victoria sponge in a short one-hour class that will give you a flavour of what you can expect in a full online class with us. And we'll no doubt be reflecting on the 2021 Bake Off Series 2. Now, all those on our mailing list will be the first to be notified when registration is open on Friday 19th of November. Places are going to be limited for this one. So if you're not on our emailing list, get on it now. Visit bakewithalegend.com slash online classes. Pop your email on the form to make sure you're updated. It's also the only place you'll hear about our upcoming Black Friday offers, giving you some fantastic value on our online events. Now, we've got a busy month ahead with a huge number of festive Christmas parties, both virtual and in person. But you can still contact us if you want more information, if you're yet to sort out your plans. It's not too late to be baking alongside one of our Bake Off legends. You can reach us at info at bakewithalegend.com. And so to the podcast, Patisserie Week for Chigs, Christelle, 
Jürgen and Giuseppe in what proved to be one of the all-time great episodes that was difficult to call until the final moments. Enjoy the podcast, keep your emails coming in, and we'll see you again to review the final next Wednesday. Well, welcome back to the Bake Down podcast. Nine episodes down, one to go. Our four bakers will become three as they enter next week's final. And as ever, I have got my three to talk through this week's podcast, Dan, Howard and Jane. Now, before we get into this semi-final in great detail, Howard, we better start with the introduction as we so often have before we get to a few of the emails we've had coming into the bakedown at bakewithlegend.com. You weren't too sure about the Hulk last week. What did you make of Elvis as this week's episode started? I think Paul makes a lovely Elvis. I have to say, I like I like the little kick and everything. The only thing that I couldn't get was what on earth had any of that got to do with patisserie? I, I, I was sort of desperate to see a link between them, and I thought I'm not not sure what it is. But yeah, a lovely, lovely introduction and a lovely idea that ghosts of past pop stars inhabit the the tent and knock things over. But yeah, there was a niche reference to a moment from last series, um, wasn't there? About was it Sura's cake? Remember this, Jane? That the incident oh. was Sura's cake. Well, it wasn't her cake so much, was it? So they were going up and taking their, I think it was their technical challenges, wasn't it? Up pineapple upside down cake, and um, which actually I made. They were delicious. But yes, she went up there and she somehow turned around and not Dave's, or it was, wasn't it? Sent it flying, and then she spent the rest of the day t- crying. Yes, so she did knock it over, which of course was right in front of everybody. So you, there's no way they're going to hold that against you. So I think tensions were very high. Was that week one? I think it was week mm. one, wasn't it? So you know, that's not a good way to start, really, is it? By destroying another competitor's bake. But yeah, so perhaps it was David Bowie that came in and knocked it over. I don't think so, do you? It's not a great way to make friends, is it? On the first week you've met someone knocking their cake on the floor poor old Sarah (laughs) Sarah. well that was definitely one for those who like to go into the archives of uh, Bake Off moments trying to remember that one with Sarah now we've had an email in this is from Jen Tappenden in Missouri who wants to know about our language right hi team I hope this isn't too odd a question we can decide that shortly I've noticed that Lizzie throughout the series, has often been thanking the judges by saying tar, which I find very endearing. From my days as an exchange student at Loughborough Uni, circa 1990, I know that tar is very informal and familiar. My British friends would often correct me when I'd used it inappropriately, and since I never seemed to get the hang of its proper use, I stopped trying and chalked it up to being an American. But now here is Lizzie saying tar to the judges and winning them over, No one has a sour or disapproving expression. So has it become more acceptable to say tar to people you're not good friends or family with? Or is Lizzie the maverick? I suspect she is. Please help this American understand and keep up the great work. I love the podcast. Jane, what do you think here about the informality of using tar? Would you have dared say tar to the judges? (laughs) I... uh, well, it's not a, it's not something I use. I mean, unless I was sort of mucking about going tar very much, love. Um, I don't think it's something we'd move use particularly down here in the south. But it's not informality, really. It's it's not like the French. You'd use two 
for if you were being familiar and, and saying you or you'd use something you know it, it's not the informality in that same way it's just a phrase that they would use to say thank you in a different part of the country it's just part of the dialect so it's not a matter of upsetting anybody it's just using it it's just part of a local dialect more really I think but you certainly wouldn't offend anybody by saying tart you probably wouldn't say it to the queen but there we go I think it's a northern thing more than anything else and there's just certain things that you can't say not because it's unacceptable but just because it doesn't sound right I don't really say tar because it doesn't work or like when Americans try to say cheers or like use British curse words it just doesn't sound right so it just some things just don't don't sound right in in different accents but in a northern accent it sounds lovely so we come to Howard, who is as north as we get, as uh, Dan, Jane and I are all very much in the south. I can imagine you saying Tare much. In fact, I'm sure I've been around you when you said Tare much. Howard. No, no way. I'm a working class social climber. I would never use the word Tar. No, it, but it is. It is a northern term. Yeah, absolutely. I had a very lovely message via Instagram from somebody called Jerry Brightwell, who's in Alaska. And she said, I live in Alaska. So if you can't find the instructions for your Betty Crocker mix, let me know which one you have. And I'll head down to the supermarket and take a photo over the back of the box for you. So I just thought it's so lovely, isn't it? That, that people are so involved and want to help and offer to go down to the supermarket. So Jerry, thank you so much. I was going to make it to share visually on this zoom call with the rest of the guys um, but I didn't get around to it I've been too busy this week but I might do when we discuss the final I might have my Betty Crocker mix but Jerry that was very sweet of you and thank you so much and a big shout out to all of you there in Alaska thank you Jerry that's very helpful Jane I hope you sent Jerry immediately to the supermarket and have been sent those instructions <laughs> <laughs> no I didn't I had sort of visions of Alaska and as I'm sorry, but I just didn't want her to put her snowshoes on and head out. Is it snowy in Alaska? I'm sure it must be at this time of year. But no, I didn't because I found the instructions online in spite of Amazon picking a big label over the back of them. We had another email, um, this one from Brittany um, Housen. Hello, Big Down team. Great episode as always. I just want to put my vote in for Dan's spin-off where he talks to the bakers about the weirdest thing they've ever done. I'm here for it and would definitely listen. So that's at least one listener, Dan, for your potential podcast. So that's exciting. Awesome. The, the advertising <laughs> revenue will be huge. I was also thinking Howard has Howard Tump and we have Judge Jane. Dan needs a segment. I personally love when Dan dishes. So I would be going for dishing with Dan. Hopefully dishing is a familiar term to you, Brit. In Canada, it means to chat or gossip. We can't do it this week necessarily. Maybe next week for the final. We'll see. Luckily, I'm quite talented at strong arming my way in on any conversation. So I do manage to get a word in edgeways, don't I? Don't laugh too much, Howard. Um, but yeah, yeah. Um, is that my vibe then? Is it, is it just me just dishing out on people? Is that what I do? It helps to know oneself, doesn't it? Is that how you see me? I never thought I was a humpy kind of person, but I've ended up with the, the name and I've actually grown to live yeah. up to it, really. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I've there always been judgmental, so I don't have any problem <laughs> with that. So you are, I have to say, Jane, you are a straight-up savage. Before I knew Jane, I kind of thought... For some reason, I had this impression that she's like quite sweet and kind. And then now I've got to know she's an absolute savage who will just rip anyone to shreds without any <laughs> any hint of guilt about it. And I, I'm here for it, Jane. I enjoy it very much. 
<laughs> I did that yesterday. I can't remember what I'd seen in the street, but I said to my husband on the doorstep quietly, because you don't want everybody to know how horrible you are, do you? Well, you know I'm not judgmental, <laughs> but I didn't think we were going to get through the door. He fell about laughing so much. So. <laughs> well, thank you to everyone who sent in their emails. We uh, love hearing from you. The Baked Down at bakewithlegend.com. It feels an opportune moment to say that if you have been enjoying the podcast this series, we would love a review wherever you listen to your podcast. I really do make a difference in the podcast algorithms as to where you appear and how people find you. So that would be uh, most appreciated. And um, I, I love all the emails that come in and start with, I, I love the podcast and I'm going to be joining an online class soon. Don't feel obligated, but of course we would love to see you coming to an online class. So uh, we have so many on, on sale at the moment, both this side and of course the other side of Christmas. We will have some exciting Black Friday news coming up. So keep an eye. If you don't subscribe to get our emails, then uh, you can easily do that just by going to our website and you'll make sure that you get our newsletter. So you'll be the first to hear. And we are also planning another free short webinar class um, coming up very soon for Sunday, the 28th of November. So do keep your eyes peeled. Let's move into Patisserie Week, Week 9 semi-final. The signature challenge, uh, Howard, to start with, patisserie-style layered slices. Um, What did you make of the signature challenge this week, Howard? It was an Irish challenge, actually. I I was, I must admit, a little bit confused at first because everybody seemed to be doing quite a few layers, and I'm thinking, oh, it's sort of like opera cake that's sliced up. And then... um, we, we learned that actually they'd been told as part of the brief they only needed to be three layers, I think. So, yeah, I, th- I think people went slightly over the top, and that is good in a semi-final. I think it's nice to to see that people are pulling out all the stops. They certainly were. I mean, it uh, ends up with three handshakes, Dan. Can you imagine such a thing? Incredible. Is this the most ever? You are the statistician of all of us, I would say, on Bake Off history. We've never seen anything like this, have we? No, uh, I don't think so. Well, 75% of the people got them. I remember in week five of my season, three people got a handshake in Spice Week. Uh, but yeah, three people got them, but there were obviously about eight people in the tent at the time, so maybe that wasn't quite uh, quite so impressive. But yeah, that, that's pretty wild. And it's a bit of a sad day if you're the one person who doesn't get a handshake, isn't it? <laughs> Paul didn't didn't love Jürgen's, but then uh, Prue did. And what's Prue's equivalent? We've had sort of talk of the Prue pat, but I think she needs a more definitive seal of approval, doesn't she? I, I don't think we want to be buying into the idea that Paul's approval is the only approval that matters, do we? No, definitely, definitely not. I mean, it's got to be equal weight. And I would have thought with... Prue's experience in all things baking, really. I mean, she is a phenomenal chef. If she really loves something, I would actually value that above Paul's because she's had a huge experience in doing it. But the king of Bake Off, I really shouldn't say that, should I really? Well, there was an interesting moment, I I thought, where we had Paul say that we have the best of the best in the tent at the moment. It almost was self-congratulatory where I was thinking well is that not exactly why you're there Paul and Prue you're there to make sure that the best people are left by the end of the series so I thought that was a he was almost taking it upon himself that he had managed to find the best four as they got through the the whole series now there's uh, only four bakers I think we've got time to to talk about them all Jane who who would you most like to talk about here golly gosh well in a good way because I think Jürgen and Giuseppe yeah I think that our front runners sort of forced themselves to the back a bit this time I thought Chiggs 
In fact, I've got people coming to supper in a couple of weeks' time, and I think I might buy that tin and try and um, do what Chicks did, because I thought it looked absolutely stunning. And for somebody who's not been cooking for very long, only since lockdown, or baking for very long, it was phenomenal. Lovely combination, very classic, of course, with the raspberry and chocolate and got the balance just right. I think why he did it for me this time, and, and he has been brilliant, it's just got better and better, hasn't he? As, as they all are good, but I think because he didn't chuck the kitchen sink at it, he, he took good classic combinations, didn't overdo it and try and stick in 10 layers or whatever, and did every single thing really well. And it looked beautiful. So for me, Chicks came out well on top for that. I thought it was absolutely brilliant and looked beautiful and I wanted to eat it. And at the moment that he got a handshake, he'd have probably been feeling like he was uh, far and out ahead, not knowing those two handshakes were were coming behind him. But of course, Dan, there were two other handshakes here. Who, Who of the two would you most like to talk about which one did you like the most i did like christelle's i thought that was interesting i'm a little bit scared of sesame so i tend to avoid it but i thought uh, she balanced that really nicely with the yuzu uh, the only thing i thought maybe would have improved it maybe just lift it with a bit of miso um, <laughs> <laughs> that was all that was missing yeah it, it, i i think all the miso really finally was used up by the end of last week's episode when we had it in uh, in several channels <laughs> She did so well and great feedback. And even Howard Giuseppe recovered from forgetting his flower to come up with something brilliant. Oh, I know. Was that awful? Can you imagine at that point when you've got to suddenly get the flower in? And it's just that point when the judges have decided to come round. So you're scraping out the batter. I, I thought, oh, bless him. I really felt for him. I mean, the tiramisu is classic. And I love I love a bit of masala in things, as you probably know. So, yeah, I thought that was a lovely uh, combination as well. He did seem to be rushing a little bit at the end, didn't he? I think it was one of those occasions where he probably had about five extra seconds or something like that. He was still putting stuff on the top when time was called. But, hey, come on, let's forgive him that. And even uh, Jürgen, well, Prue walked away saying that she would have given him a, a handshake and it was a pity that, that she didn't. But it, it wasn't like Jürgen, you know, failed here by any means. You know, was it, Jane? Jürgen put in a, a very impressive uh, bake as well. Oh, yeah, I think so. Beetroot and cassis buttercreams. I, I, I like the idea of a mousse rather than a buttercream, to be honest. I'm not a great, huge buttercream fan, but um, it looks nice. But it didn't look brilliant, I don't think. I, th- I, th- I just, he had obviously had a great idea, murder at the opera and put those little daggers in. But I didn't think it looked beautiful. And, and, and that's really cruel of me to say, because on normal years, I look back at our patisserie year, which was semi-final as well. And oh my goodness me, we created some absolute horrific things. So... I've just been cruel to Jürgen because everybody else has looked so beautiful. I just think this time he let himself down a bit. And the idea of beetroot in anything for me, I I can't abide beetroot. I didn't like the idea of his flavours. So that probably put him at the back of the pack for me just from personal bias. But we know we shouldn't have personal bias in Bake Off at all because we've criticised Paul for that in the past. But Giuseppe used a a pâté pâté à bombe 
just for everybody listening, because it sounded great, the pâté bomb, it's French buttercream, basically. And you can make it either way. It's quite a nice way of using your egg yolks. I had some egg yolks the other day, which I then accidentally broke and mushed up and had to chuck away. But it makes a really lovely buttercream. The thing you have to do is to make sure that you pasteurize those eggs. So you can make it either like a Swiss meringue or an Italian meringue. Either way, just heat it up very gently like a Swiss meringue and whisk it up and then equally pour hot syrup into it, into the whisked egg yolks. And it's a great way of using them up if you're fed up with making mayonnaise or ice, ice cream. cream. Or like ice that. cream. <laughs> ice cream. Yes. That's, that's where all my egg yolks go, ice cream. <laughs> ice cream. Yeah, I'm making, I'm making a lot of macarons coming up shortly. And uh, yes, I'll have a lot of egg yolks. I mean, it's a lovely, lovely thing to use as a base, to be honest. And then you can add some masala or you can add whatever you want to add to it to flavour it up. But just for anybody who didn't know what it was, basically Google French buttercream. And that's really what it is. This was definitely an example, Dan, I I thought of of getting to a semi-final and executing a plan such as chicks. And to see someone with that much time and calmness left and, you know, with half an hour left, it seemed to be he was just like, I've just got to do a bit of decoration. That was very impressive. They have that level of structure in place. People always sort of say, like, what would you do differently? Or if you could give advice, like, what would it be? And my advice is always the same. Just keep it simple. Like, do something you can do easily in the time deliver it well and that's what Chiggs did he didn't overthink it he did a classic combination with three layers they were cut really he had time to cut them really neatly and presumably wipe the knife each time because they were lovely clean layers and I thought it was beautiful his looked absolutely stunning and yet it was quite simple yeah some of the others I thought maybe overthought it like for example as Jane was saying with Jürgen beetroot is I mean let's start with it's a vegetable but also it's insipid I don't know what the appeal is of doing that and I think it's just uh, I think he missed a trick by by trying to be too clever and then ended up shooting himself in the foot a bit. I didn't, I didn't want to eat that. And you, we eat with our eyes first, don't we? And I didn't, it wasn't particularly beautiful and it didn't sound particularly delicious. So a, a real shame for Jürgen and not the way you want to start a semi-final, obviously, but I think that was, that was fair. Howard, would you have gone for any, any beetroot at, at this point or you'd have left the beetroot very much in the vegetable drawer? I think he was um, picking up on a, on a theme that he's done previously where he uses natural materials to kind of colour things rather than using artificial colours. So I think it's not, I think Paul actually said it doesn't have very much flavour. So it was there to, to, to give the colour. But yeah, I thought it was ironic that he went for the almost violent approach, murder at the opera. And yet Chiggs, I, I loved what Chiggs had to say earlier. He said the chocolate can be overpowering. I want that raspberry to really punch him around the face. So I thought I think he was really wound up, wasn't he, to to attack this challenge and uh, punch the judges with a raspberry. Yeah, do you think he was projecting a bit with his dessert? Do you think it was maybe mm. Chiggs who wanted to punch them around the face? <laughs> <laughs> we will we will move on to the technical challenge very shortly, um, Howard. But there have been several uh, emails coming in wanting to know: Have you finished your entire packet of Twixes after the success from last week? Well, I had one, and Peter finished the rest of them. So I I left them in the living room, and then uh, the other day I said, "Oh, have they all gone now?" Yes, yeah, he said. So uh, so Peter is extremely grateful. Well, I'm grateful too. But yeah, he's really, really savoured them. The great thing about Amazon is you can subscribe to products, can't you? <laughs> yeah. So you could just make sure every Monday uh, they come through the post. That would be a nice gift. Like a, what a strange gift to give in 2021. Yeah. A subscription to Twix bars coming through your door 
every Monday. I'll, oh. I'll, I'll investigate it. <laughs> so we'll move on to the technical challenge soon. But Jane, I know you wanted to make a comment on Christelle's. Yes, I did, actually, because she did a lovely job, didn't she? And I've never used sesame, never mind black sesame. But I loved her technique for doing her sesame discs. Somebody might be able to tell me how you do it, actually. So she's got a metal disc a metal cutter type thing she put her sesame in and then she poured her caramel over the top to make sure she had a neat disc how do you then get it out have you oiled it yes uh, i i think you oil the metal and then while it's still slightly soft you sort of quickly wrench it off uh but yes that's the kind of thing that would never occur to me yeah that, that was that was a really good idea there's been a, quite a few examples of people doing like simple effective techniques that i look at and i'm like oh god why didn't i think of that yeah. so uh yeah, yeah, yeah i thought that was great i thought it was brilliant i really liked that idea um, I, I liked i did like her flavors i must admit chocolate white chocolate and coconut sounds lovely to me um i've just never used the sesame i know it can be strong so perhaps i'll give it a go oh so many things to try so little time so there we have it three handshakes all in the signature challenge jürgen being the only one not to get one and we headed to the technical challenge and predictably we were told it would be the toughest technical challenge they had had yet and they were told to use their time wisely which I think pretty much they are told every single week but they seem to repeat it just to set the scene this was of course a sable breton tart pastry they were being asked to make with a raspberry confiture which uh, more about that later a pistachio creme mousseline and two hours 45 minutes to do this now they they did highlight this was a, a complicated one a lot of things to do so talk us through this, Dan. Why was this so so complicated and uh, how tough a challenge was this? To be honest, I'm not sure if I would have known what shape to have made it either. So uh, pâté sable is like a type of, it's sort of a biscuit slash pastry that you use uh, to line sweet tart tins often, but it's very, very crumbly and short and ridiculously hard to work with because it's so buttery. I'm not sure I would have known what shape to make it. I think I might have tried to make it into a tart as well. So I don't blame anyone for doing that. Creme mousseline, I can make no problem. That's no bother. Yeah, I think it was pretty manageable, actually. Tempering chocolate, I thought would trip more of them up, but they all seemed absolutely fine with that. I loved what Chiggs was like, oh, I can do that bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the chocolate tempering, they all made them into hoops. And I don't think you're supposed to do that. I think you're supposed to do it like an offset curl, like a corkscrew. So it's, uh, so I think that's a more attractive shape. And I'm, I think that they were all copying each other because that's not, we don't generally do hoops. We do sort of twists on top of patisserie, don't we? Oh, well, I, I do anyway. I thought that's more of a classic look. Yeah, but I didn't actually know what, uh, I know what Sable is. But I didn't know I didn't know a sable breton, so I think I might have um, taken some artistic license and made something that didn't quite look the part as well. Uh, and of course, it, it's confiture, how it, 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 jam. I mean, that, that is the French word for jam. Is is that right? It is, and I did, I didn't understand when I think was it Giuseppe or Jürgen who was saying that there's a difference that it's uh... Giuseppe referred to almost bits of fruit or, or something I think yeah, yeah I'd, I'd, well I mean you can get jams with bits of fruit and you can get seedless jams and seeded jams and so I, I didn't think that there was a a difference personally but uh, I could be wrong well, there's also plenty of raspberry strawberries here the meringue kisses to make and there was a reference Howard to fancy butter did you spot that? I mean, I think it was Christelle who said she was she she enjoyed using fancy butter. Yeah, what makes it fa fancy in your opinion, Howard? I think it was salted, but I think it's got so I think it's got like fleur de sel or seldomer or whatever it's called. 
the uh, little crystals in it. So it's um, it's usually President, I think, is is the brand that usually does that. So uh, or Bear de Sydney. Oh. Uh, when well, you pop down to Clapham High Street there. <laughs> Dan, and you get your various butters that have been imported that morning from France. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so when English people, British people rather, talk about sort of fancy butter, we generally mean French butter because it's got a, a slightly higher fat content and it has a slightly higher melting point and it's easier to work with, particularly for pastry. So we usually mean French butter by that. So, but I don't know how widely available that is outside of, I was going to say Europe but we're not even in Europe. Let's not get political. But I think they we have... still I, geographically in Europe, I should we, point out, for anyone who thinks that we've moved, the island has floated somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> but can any of the trucks get here? Who only knows? Um, no, but I, I don't know how common the French butter is in, in America. I think they get a lot of Irish butter. I don't know if they get French butter. I don't know. You can let us know on email, the bakedown at bakewithalegend.com. We look forward to a series of butter-related emails flooding in. Um, do let us know. Uh, and, and Jane, just, you know, there's so much to get into and we'll talk about all four shortly just tell us when you're making meringue we saw Giuseppe making it in a tiny bowl and Christelle making reference to using too large a bowl I would say I think we talked didn't we last week about whipping up meringue and using the stuff you get in a carton that's just egg white I tried it this week actually because I'm going to be using it for a class it's much easier than having loads of egg yolks and it whipped up all right that didn't quite hold its shape quite as well but it whipped up all right the thing is if you've got a big bowl and a whisk You've got more air lurking about. So I was told when you're whipping cream and whipping egg whites, the bigger the bowl, the better, really, because you can get more air into it. Frankly, I just usually haven't got much time and dive into the cupboard and pick out whatever bowl I can find, as long as it's not plastic. I never use the plastic bowl for egg whites because the grease clings to the bowl, even if you run it through the dishwasher and it could be the death of your meringue. I don't know why he didn't manage to get a decent kiss without having a nozzle because again if I can't be bothered to dig out a plain nozzle just have to make sure you have a decent cut in your bag and you can get a perfectly good kiss with without having to put a, a nozzle in and you don't have to buy lots not expensive equipment for a lot of the things that we do and and Chicks's meringues did look a bit rough and ready didn't they I have to say I've, sorry just interrupting myself, I just looked up the difference between confiture and jam. And there is a little bit in what Giuseppe says. Confiture generally has a higher fruit content and it generally has more lumpy bits in it. So you would have more of a defined shape of your fruit, whereas a jam is a bit more smushed. So um, apparently that's what it says on Google and we believe every word that we read there. Well, sorry, just you interrupted yourself. So now I'm going to take the turn of interrupting you myself. You were saying about plastic bowls not being good for whipping up egg whites. Can I get your opinion on something? Of course. So I was always told uh, that copper bowls are brilliant for whipping up egg whites. Uh, Apparently there's something magical about them. But A, I don't want to spend that much money on a copper bowl. And also they're really hard to clean. Or you've got to clean them by hand, haven't you? And look after them really, really well. Do you have an opinion on copper bowls or not? I've never had a copper bowl. I mean, again, they're expensive and they're not the sort of thing that you can always get. But I would always use a steel bowl or a glass bowl and, okay. and always wipe it and my beaters with lemon juice or vinegar or something to make sure it's super clean. But to be honest, for the price of a copper bowl and the hassle, um, I would have thought you're better off with steel and glass and saving your money, Dan. Yeah. Well, I have yeah, saved I have. my money, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm happy to send out Twix bars, but there's a limit, Dan. I'm afraid if that was a <laughs> yeah, they're really to, uh... expensive. They're so expensive. <laughs> well, look, let, let's talk about the the four bakers here. Howard, whose did you uh, did you like the most out of the um, technical challenge here? Do you know, I think they all struggled a little bit, didn't they, in different ways. So I think it was quite close. And even Jürgen coming out on top, they were, they were still criticising it. It is one of those things where you think, is it really time now for technical challenges to just show you a little picture of what it's supposed to look like? If that is quite important, does it really matter? You know, if if you show show the bakers that it that the bottom layer is a solid layer rather than than a tart it just sets everybody off on more of an equal footing i think dan doesn't agree completely disagree howard (laughs) if we were doing that then we would never have ended up with dave's lovely horn would we i mean you know there have been classic (laughs) moments we'd have have missed out on it i'm not prepared to sacrifice those moments Um, He has got a point. He has got a point. Um, Fair enough. Well, well, yeah, there there wasn't a clear winner, perhaps, let's say, even though obviously it was Jürgen, Giuseppe, Christelle, Chiggs um, in in that order. And ultimately, even Jürgen winning the technical challenge was effectively a repeat of what happened to Rosie, our very own Rosie Brandreth, who does classes with us. She won the uh, technical challenge a couple of years back on a, a Gatu sent on air and uh, still sadly uh, left at the semi-final stage so there is there's precedent here I, I did like the comment um, Howard I don't know if you picked up on this where Chig's obviously not completely satisfied understandably with what he had uh, delivered in fact he went on to say it was his worst bake out of all 26 that he had done so far he said the phrase my local corner shop would not sell this now I don't have a corner shop anywhere near me that would sell this either. So I don't really know what he meant by this, Howard. What did he mean? In Sheffield, can you pick up one of these like wonderful Sable Breton tarts just at your local we, corner? We do, we do have a little corner shop that sells Sable Breton. No, it's a, it, it might sell Twix, actually, if I went in and had a look. It sells stamps and toilet rolls and things like that. But I think Sable Breton is... He, Chicks must live, live in a quite a posh area i think also way to insult your local corner shop it's gonna yes. be very very <laughs> awkward when he goes in there now and makes eye contact with the owner he's gonna be like get out chigs you're not welcome in here anymore <laughs> and that's and what I, thought. I thought it was a great <laughs> insult for his local corner shop <laughs> I, I just thought uh yeah yeah, hang your head in shame, chicks. He also, Jane, referred to this as a massive jammy dodger of sorts. I didn't think that was quite right. <laughs> no, it wasn't right. You say the daftest things when somebody sticks a microphone in your face. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I'm not sure it was. It was just a big biscuit, wasn't it? I, I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It was a weird, weird old challenge, really, I thought. And creme mousseline, well, Dan knows creme mousseline is not my favourite creme, to be honest. And shoving all that butter in something that's already very rich just turns my stomach a bit. Yeah, it was an OK challenge. It was a, it was a lot of things to do in two hours and 45 and get it chilled. And, and I was thinking, ah, what point? do you, You've got to get those little meringue kisses baked and you've got to get your biscuit baked and you've got to get it cooled because otherwise your creme mousseline is going to go melt because of all the butter in it. Yeah, it, it was, a, it was a, a timing issue I felt for them this time. But 
it was quite nice. I, mean, I must admit, I wouldn't fancy making it. Didn't really set me alight. But yeah, they're running out of things to do for a technical challenge. We did a savaran <laughs> for hours. Well, they are, aren't they? I mean, obviously, I think they would. Uh, didn't quite know what to do. But it was all right. I've looked it up online, of course, and um, they all look pretty different really i think it's a, quite a pretty bake I, I think you're right it's an exercise in time management more than anything else i don't think anything in there was particularly difficult although we actually so many of them messed up maybe it, it was i don't know but i think it's quite beautiful actually you got a nice color contrast of the green and the red and it's sort of mounded up and looks all bountiful i thought think it looks really lovely i thought i thought i might have a go at making one myself how would you've got the cookery book that accompanies the series what's the difference between that great thick wodge of sable and Shortbread. In a classic pâté sable, you cook the egg yolks. You like like boil an egg to co- have a cooked egg yolk, and you grate the egg yolk into it. That's the way that oh. I always learn to make a sable. But a lot of them don't do that. But I believe that is the classic way, and is a very high butter content as well. It's just it's super tricky to work with. Like you have to be really quick at rolling out, or it just melts. But, they, but they're they're not lining anything, with, or they weren't supposed to be lining anything with it. I think that's why everyone who tried to line it ended up with it all sort of unevenly leaking down the walls. In this, they're whisking the egg yolks and castor sugar until thick and mousse like so they're going for a kind of ribbon trail when you lift the whisk is that for the sable yes it is okay Mm. well obviously i've never made a sable properly Mm. i certainly haven't grated egg yolks into anything michelle rue pastry he's just got a book called pastry i highly recommend it that's where i learned to make pastry i don't know if this is true holding up the exemplary sable breton but she's got a bit of dirt behind her nails i think she's been out (laughs) in the car in the garden here. It's not very, not very attractive. Do you know the best way to get the dirt out from under your fingernails? Just make a bit of bread. When you need it by hand, it all comes out. It's a great way to get rid of it. There you go. <laughs> Tips you may not have expected when you're listening to the podcast this week. There was a moment, um, Howard, where Jürgen referred to himself as being more gentle than, than a machine when he was uh, when he was working on uh, on how to make this did, did you notice that he seemed to want to do certain things by hand more gentle than a machine are you more gentle than a machine as well i think so i i i went into the tent specifically um trying to do things by hand because i can't be trusted with machines but yes you you quickly learn that actually you have to kind of bite the bullet and learn how to use a a KitchenAid. but um it wasn't something i i was able to do at the time i felt sorry for jürgen i i felt he he looked a bit kind of tired and a bit deflated this week Mm. and uh, having not got a handshake in the first challenge I think he just looked a bit down. Jürgen reminded me very much, was it last year that Hermine was on? Where she just looked utterly defeated. And he looked the same. We were sort of trying to keep it together, but he just looked defeated. And I think, you know, we've talked many times about how the exhaustion sets in and he just did not look happy. He kind of looked like he was resigned. Yeah, he did not look happy, did he? Yeah. Well, I mean, Jürgen doesn't always look happy. He said, oh, I am very excited for semi-final week or patisserie week or something. And I thought... Uh, that's how you sound when you're excited. <laughs> Heaven help us when you're dreading it. So I just think that's his demeanour. I don't. Maybe he was a bit tired. Maybe he was a bit deflated. Maybe he'd come to the end of his uh, stamina. But to 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 say that he, you know, he would normally look very upbeat. He got quite cross. I thought with. Um, he clearly didn't want Noel there, did he? No, no. no. <laughs> 
and and he it was so obvious that he really didn't want him there. And I, yeah, maybe he was feeling particularly stressed. Bless him. I loved but, it. I mean, we can't put this on the podcast, but uh, you know, he was clearly just sort of being very polite. But you could hear his tone was like just f- off. <laughs> <laughs> that could be the first ever bleep we've put in the bake down. <laughs> Several years and has led us down a path that we never thought we would. A bleep in our podcast to protect our younger listeners. Um, we we apologise for Dan's uh, language. Maybe that will be your segment, Dan. That we'll have to, <laughs> your your whatever you're going to bleep. Um, so Jurgen, of course, coming out on top, but it, it sadly wasn't enough to to save. And then Giuseppe, Christelle, um, and Chigs. And uh, yeah, Jurgen, of course, maybe slightly rattled by being the one not to get a handshake in the morning, but must have felt better at least going in to the showstopper. <laughs> Onwards to the showstopper, a themed banquet display asked to make 12 individual entrepreneur dessert, an edible centerpiece, and the longest challenge, Howard, so far in the series, five hours. Has there ever been a challenge longer than five hours? I'm not sure there has. This feels about as long as you could ask someone to, to go for, isn't it? I, I don't know if there's even been a five-hour one yeah. before. I know we, we did four and a half. But yeah. We did a five. Did we you? Did, oh. yeah. In bread <laughs> week. Five. Our final was a five. It's a long time. But yeah. weirdly, in the tent, five hours does race by. Oh, it, it does. <laughs> you don't even get hungry, do you? You just know <laughs> five hours. I wouldn't. I wouldn't wish that on on anyone. And Paul, of course, did tell us predictably this was going to be the most difficult showstopper they had ever done. Looking for layer upon layer here of, of textures and beautiful flavors, and that Prue called for finesse. It must look pretty, and the more skills they could see, the better. And so, where to where to start with this? Well, um, I, I think by the time we had seen all four of them get some feedback, we we probably knew that Chiggs and Christelle had done enough really to make it through to the final. Howard, maybe talk to us about Chiggs. The apple does not fall far from the tree. Yeah, great idea. I thought it was a a, a lovely idea. It was a pity about the colour of the apples, but I think apart from that, but oh my goodness, my heart was in my mouth. When, when he accidentally caught that tree, I think he was just sort of wiping or, or moving his hand and he just knocked the bottom of that tree and I was amazed that it stayed intact. And then, of course, he composed himself and said, I can stick it back on with a, a bit of icing. But you, you do feel those moments when you just do something absentmindedly or carelessly and you think, oh, my goodness, why did I do that? And I could see that written on his face. So I thought it was great that he managed to turn that round and come out with something, well, as, as Paul said, exceptional. It, it certainly was uh, exceptional, even if he did have to change the apples to become old pink ladies, even though they were purple. I think he was uh, slightly <laughs> um, pushing the, the direction that he, he could take those in. But you're absolutely right. I mean, it looked like it couldn't have been far off his entire sort of biscuit tree you know, not being able to be repairable. It just had enough strength. So he did manage to stay fairly calm and, and get it back. And uh, we, we heard that famous word, didn't we, Dan? That that journey, I think, that was referred to uh, by Paul. He spoke about the journey that Chiggs has been on. Yeah, um, I have to say, like, when uh, we first saw Chiggs, we knew that he hadn't been baking for very long. And I 
perhaps unkindly, assumed he was mainly there to be a bit of eye candy for the girls and gays. And uh, he's done really well. He's done amazingly well. And I, I stand by what I said at the start. I think if you're less experienced, there's you don't overthink so much. So maybe he just delivered what he could do, but he did a really good job of it. And I think, you know, that is maybe a lesson to people who are, you know, like for years, I was like, well, I'll apply next year when I'm more experienced and I'll apply next year when I learned a little bit more about different techniques. And it, Chiggs didn't do that. And it worked out for Chiggs. So, uh, you know, maybe if you go there confidently, deliver what you can deliver, you can you can do something like what Chiggs did, which was, you know, really, really impressive. Yeah, incredibly impressive. And uh, and Jane, just talk to us about Christelle's here, because we've seen for so much of this series, Giuseppe and Jürgen being the front two that Christelle, having had a, you know, possibly moments in the series where we wondered if she would get through to next week, has found herself um, into the final. What did you make of her showstopper that got her there? I thought Christelle did a staggeringly beautiful job. She's stuck to what she knew, actually, by creating that arch. I thought that was really clever. I mean, she's very good at piping flowers. And to put it together with as meringue and bake that, I thought, it's a bit like chicks, really. She did what she could do, and she did it absolutely brilliantly well. It looked a stunning, stunning centerpiece. I'm not sure what the candle was and all that rubbing the candle. I mean, it was it had to be an edible centerpiece. Was that an edible centerpiece? I don't know what that was. Anyway, I don't think it was a real candle. Well, it was made of fondant, so it definitely fondant. wasn't edible. Yeah. Oh, it was fondant. <laughs> it, was, it was fondant. At one point, I thought oh my goodness me, that looks really messy as she was sort of dropping it and it wasn't quite, you know, it wasn't as tidy as it could have been. But she was very clever. When you put one of those little entremets onto something, be it a a small cake board or in in her case, a biscuit, which is a great idea, actually. Why have a cake board when you can eat the base? So much better idea. And then you cover up your slightly sort of wonky edge as you've taken it off whatever it's been draining on or dripping off and just covering covering that with something in her case some coconut so she made the whole thing look so pretty and so finished and just using that two color or three color mirror glaze I'm assuming they went in with actually it was just brilliant but the only thing I would say about hers, you know, it, it, it you had to have layers and it must look staggeringly pretty and it had to be layered. It was layered. She got a passion fruit jelly and then she had the um, vanilla and coconut cremo center and the mango bavon. Could you see much of a difference in the layers? I could see the jelly, but I didn't see much. It might have been camera because it should have been the difference between a mango sort of being slightly orangey or apricot colour and the cremo but oh I couldn't fault her I thought it looked beautiful she did a fantastic job really I, I found it so hard to work out who was going to be star baker this week and who was going home to be honest yeah I thought Christelle is wonderful at the presentation isn't she she really really excels at making things look beautiful mm. and who I hate to say this because I really like Giuseppe uh, but I thought his looked so bland uh, I didn't think it looked special at all. Uh, like just sort of the green domes on the green grass and the plain white building. I just thought it looked really, really dull in comparison to other people's. And when they cut into it, you could see all the layers and it looked lovely. And I think you could see the work, but the overall presentation, I just thought, God, you've really missed a trick there because that does not look impressive at all. Yeah, so, Howard, what, what did you make here of, of Giuseppe's? It was, it was very green. If you didn't like green, it might not have been for you. No, and I, I think, Obviously, Jürgen had gone for green as well, but a much, much kind of paler, duller green. So I think in comparison, 
Giuseppe's did have a bit of impact, at least. It, it had, you know, a stronger colour. I thought it, it, it looked quite nice, actually. It would, it would probably be the kind of thing I would do. And therefore, that is why uh, I wouldn't get very far. But uh, because <laughs> Dan wouldn't approve of it. But yeah, I thought it was a shame about the flavours. I mean, uh, Paul said, I think, take the cherry away and you'd really be hunting for the flavours. So... I think, well, don't take the cherry away then. Just leave it in there. <laughs> and then you've got a cherry flavour. But yeah, all the textures were spot on. So uh, I think he did I think he did a pretty good job. That's classic Paul though, isn't it? He's like, if you change something, <laughs> it would be different. You're like, yeah, insightful stuff, Paul. <laughs> a couple of times yeah. he said, if you got that right and that right and that right, it would be the best bake we've ever had in the tent. Yes, but I didn't get yeah. it. <laughs> That's not, it's not. Yeah, he's been classic this series, hasn't he? I must admit, you know, or you know I love Giuseppe, and you know I had him down as the winner from the start. And when I saw it, I thought, oh, dear, you could be going home, love. I mean, I mm. thought it did look dull. And the, the leaning tower, even if it just had a bit of colour on it, you could barely see he had piped on it. My heart sank when I saw it, to be perfectly honest. I thought I could be losing my bet. Dan, we've had moments in this series where you have questioned the, the use of uh, equipment, maybe, when handing in bakes. What did you make of, uh, effectively, the Leaning Tower of Pisa here being on a... I mean, it was on a stick, wasn't it? It was just put through a, to hold it up. I mean, given how much it was leaning, I guess it did need support, but that's quite a bit of... That's quite a strong bit of dowling, isn't it? I don't know. I wasn't also, like, no one actually wants to eat that Rice crispy thing. I mean, children think they do, but then after they've had two mouthfuls, they're kind of over it. I don't think that would have been particularly delicious. I, I think he was lucky in a way that Jürgen had such a stumble this week because uh, it could have could have ended very badly for Giuseppe, I think. Well, Howard, talk to us about uh, Jürgen's. Um, you, you mentioned the different shades of, of green almost. And in some ways, that seemed what Paul was most upset about. He, he just sort of really didn't like the, the colour and, and I guess felt they, they looked a bit bland. And, uh, and he wanted to see more detail on, on the boats but did say that the, the jelly had a good taste and he had that balance with the matcha that he was perhaps concerned about. He seemed to to get right. What what did you make of, of Jürgen's here? Were you surprised it wasn't enough to save him? Yeah, I, w- I was in some respects. I mean, it, w- it was one of the bakes that had very, very nice, neat layers when you sliced into it. So it looked very neat when you, when you sliced in. I think, again, it was partly to do with the presentation. He'd put them on those little boats I got some of those when we did that raindrop cake uh, class a, a few weeks ago. So yeah, so it was it, he was using dressing rather than incorporating that into the uh, the bake itself. The temple gate. Oh my goodness, what what happened there? Missing a piece and then having to make it at the last minute again. It's um, I don't think his his head was completely in the the right place. But I also felt there was just a little bit where Paul had almost made a decision and it may have, might have been in the editing, I don't know, but you just sort of felt there was a decision right from the the first bait that Jürgen was in danger, I don't know. Yeah, I can understand why he said that. What do you think there? I do question whether Jürgen 
spent his time wisely because he seemed to put a lot of effort into making that centerpiece and didn't put so much effort into decorating and making his entremets look beautiful. And I don't feel like they really ate the centerpieces, did they? I don't, it felt like they were more interested in the entremets. And I think he just, he could have spent his time more wisely focusing on the bit they're actually going to eat rather than the thing that looked beautiful. And as I say over and over again, and I'm sure everyone is bored of me saying it already, you've got to work out what's the biggest impact for the lowest effort. And he spent a lot of effort on his shrine gateway. And uh, I I don't think he got rewarded for that effort. I don't think that was a wise use of his time. I absolutely agree. I thought actually they didn't pull him up on his decoration too much. They just said they look a bit dull. It looked a horrible colour, didn't it? It didn't look very appetising, that matcher. But the, the this little sails on the boat as well were all falling over and falling off the ones he made out of twill. Maybe he just really ran out of steam because he did say at some point his flavours are good, but it's his decoration or the finish that isn't so great and he has to work on. And I just think that really let him down this time. I don't think Paul would have decided he, he was to go, to be honest. I mean... He has been amazing, and I know he was a front runner. And if you look all over the internet, you think that uh, it was definitely Jurgen and Giuseppe were the favourites. But this time, well, did either of you guess who was going? I'm not sure I did. I, I, my heart was in my mouth. Yeah, I didn't know. I'm quite surprised because Jurgen has also been very sort of popular on the on the official Bake Off feed. So it kind of reminds me very much of sort of Henry in the previous season where like they were all loving all over him and then just it was such a surprise when he went. And it's it's very much it's a big shock exit vibe actually, I have to say. Mm. And, you know, I don't think we've had a bigger shock of such a talented baker leaving the tent since I was sent home. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that is still, people are still recovering these years on, Dan, from that yeah. moment. And, and, and rarely a day goes by, I imagine, you don't get a message saying that it was a travesty. I, I send most of them, yeah. <laughs> um, Howard, we did have this moment uh, with Christelle, didn't we, where uh, she told us that she'd won a limbo competition on holiday and Noel said if she gets through there was going to be a limbo uh, competition next week so if nothing else that's something to look forward to it is yeah no I'm I'm looking forward to that I don't not that I've done I don't know if I've ever done a limbo I think I must have got so drunk at one at a party somewhere and attempted a limbo yeah, but uh, it's no good asking Peter. You ask Peter anything and he's already done it. We've, he's done pole dancing, he's done all sorts. So I think, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, Jane, Dan, any any limbo experience? Yeah, I don't think I've ever limboed. I've got a bad back, actually, so I certainly haven't done it since I've had the kids. No, I don't, I'm not that flexible, I don't think. I can touch my toes, but I can't do it the other way around. No, it takes it takes a real toll on the knees, actually, limboing. Uh, a lot of sideways pressure on the knees. Can't can't do it. Josh, you weren't planning for us to do it as well next week, were you? What I was hoping <laughs> was on the Zoom, we would all sort of limbo one by one <laughs> just to make a bit of content. Really. No, I'm joking. I, w- I won't um, be asking anyone to uh, to limbo. But yeah, Christelle, they better do that. It better not be one of those comments that they've just uh, flippantly said. We, we want to see a limbo. And I hope they all get involved. You know, Giuseppe looks like a very tall gentleman, so perhaps it'll be a bit more difficult for him to do the limbo. Maybe that'll be the playoff if they just can't really decide. They're all really equal as bakers next week. It'll just be who's the best at limbo the, to decide the limbo who wins off. bake off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The great limbo off as a spin-off <laughs> show, possibly coming soon to, to Channel 4 and to Netflix. 
Howard, nine episodes in, you have found a hump for us each week. I'm sure you are not going to let us down today. I've got a couple, actually. One which we've sort of touched on already. And I, has Paul actually got a copyright on the handshake? Is it part of his rider now that he is the only one who can give a handshake? And actually, I need to be careful about saying too much. But I worked at one point with an ex-bake-off judge who shall be nameless. <laughs> Just like, you can okay. start to guess, can't you? And I think she had it written into a contract that if you were alongside her, you couldn't actually be called a judge because of the, the fact that she was a judge. So you could advise, but you couldn't actually judge a competition alongside her. So I, I, I think it's really unfair if Prue is restricted from having some kind of equivalent to a Hollywood handshake. I think she needs to, to get her agent to put the foot down and say no we need something for Prue um, but the other thing uh, my other hump this week was that last showstopper I just thought I don't know whether I'm just getting a bit too old but I found it too stressful to watch I think it was that it was so tense and I think they've got this music now ride of the entremets or something like <laughs> that it kind of builds up and there's things being dropped and time's running out. And I'm thinking, I just don't know whether I can cope with this anymore. So I just think, please, just give us a bit bit more of a, a kind of relaxed final. It's too, it was too emotional, too tense. Too tense. Well, gladly, just one more week for you to cope yeah. with, um, Howard. So hopefully we'll make it to, to the bitter end of, of the current series. We, we turn to Jane for, for Judge Jane. Jane, firstly, give us your thoughts here. Was Jürgen the right person to send home at this semi-final stage? Well, I'll just say, first of all, I thought it was an incredible semi-final. I thought they all did brilliantly. And at any point, in any other series, all of them would have got through to the final. So congratulations. If any of you are listening, congratulations. You are absolutely awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I really couldn't choose. I, I'm very glad Giuseppe went through because you all know that I have at great length said that he was right from the start that he was going to get through to the final. I think it was the right decision, but it was really close between Jürgen and Giuseppe. Really, really close. So I, I don't like matcha. So just on the strength that I'm not a huge matcha fan and the, the sails fell off his boat, I would say it was the right decision. But it was very, very close, very close. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad Giuseppe got through. I must admit, at one point, I thought it was so close that maybe they'll say, for the very first time ever, we're going to let all four awesome bakers go through. I would have applauded that. I would have thought that would have been a really good way to go because there's not, there's barely a rice paper between all four of them. So I'm very sad for Jürgen. Yeah, so I can't say whether I thought it was the right decision or not because I really didn't think anybody did anything bad enough to go home. It was a really tough one. I wouldn't have liked to have been judging that one, to be honest. Uh, and what about on the Star Baker decision? Star Baker, oh, again, really, really hard to choose between the two of them. Or well, Christelle and Chicks, because it was definitely between Christelle and Chicks. I think Christelle's showstopper, because of the colour and the extra work, to make that display the look the way it did, just pip jigs to it. He had chosen a very simple but very effective centrepiece with that apple tree. I thought it was very clever. If its apples had been red, would he have won? 
I don't know. So I think I think Christelle just pipped him on presentation and that extra little bit of work, which must have sort of dragged her over the finishing line. Oh, I'm delighted to see her win. But again, I wouldn't really have liked to have been judging that one. It's the closest, I think, I've ever seen a, any episode, but a semi-final when all of them could have gone through. Tremendous episode um, to watch. I guess that leaves us, Dan, just to wrap up the podcast with a prediction of now who you feel is going to win. We, of course, have our three bakers, Chiggs, Christel, Giuseppe. In uh, in just a few words, Dan, tell us who's going to win. Ooh, well, the thing is, so I did pick Christelle from the first, from the start. So I kind of, on one level, I feel like I should just stick with the, the horse that uh, I rode in on. That's not quite the right expression. <laughs> we'll stick with it. So I would have thought going into it that Giuseppe would be strongest. Giuseppe looks like he's flagging. He looks like he's running out of steam. So I think it's going to be between, oh God, I don't know. I think Chiggs could come through and snatch the whole thing. I think he could do it. Oh, I don't know. It's really, really close. It just, I mean, obviously it just depends who has the best week. I don't know. I just don't know. I can't call it. In, in, in just one word, Dan, give us an answer. <laughs> Uh, Christel, fine, we'll stick Christelle. with Christel. Okay, Howard, more succinctly than Dan, who's going to win Great British Bake Off 2021? I must admit, I agreed with Dan. We we both picked Christel to begin with. I'm going to stick with her. Yeah, Christel. Okay, and Jane, are you going to? Who are you going to go with, Jane? Well, I, I would love to stick with Giuseppe, but I have to agree. I think he's lagging. I think he's not making those sharp decisions. So I'm going to go with Chicks. All will be revealed in just a week's time, and we we absolutely cannot wait to uh, to see how that all unveils. So, a uh, thank you to Dan, to Jane, and to Howard as ever for joining us on this week's podcast. As I mentioned earlier, we would love a review wherever you listen to your podcast, and we enjoy all your emails that have been coming in. We'll read as many as we can on our final episode next week. It is the Bake Down at bakewithalegend.com. Do check out all of our online classes on our website and remember to use a code podcast if you want 10% off. Remember to sign up to our emails. We are going to be doing a free webinar on Sunday, the 28th of November with Howard. More details on that coming very soon. And uh, we look forward to seeing you for the big one, the final next week. just heard a stripped media production. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? 
elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.